32. I'm your host, Patty Johnson. This is the podcast where we talk about how to get more shows, grants, and residencies. And on this podcast, I'm going to be talking about self-doubt management. I'll be honest, this topic came up for fairly self-serving reasons. I'm visiting my parents' farm for the next two weeks, and yesterday my mother told me that a therapist she knew had recently told her that she was giving up her practice to make art full-time. And so, of course, my mother being my mother promptly launched into an explanation about how the membership that I run, Network, is the most amazing thing since... It, you know, any membership has ever existed <laughs> and is designed to help mid-career artists grow their careers and so that it might be helpful to her. And at the end of my mother's explanation, this therapist was like, well, that sounds like an awful lot. And your daughter might be a little bit scary and too advanced for me. No, thanks. To be fair, this is not the first time that I've heard that I'm a scary person, particularly when I was writing criticism more frequently. That was a very common thing. And the truth is, is that I often hear that from artists who are just starting out on their path to being an artist. And that is because network is really designed for mid-career artists. So if you're just starting out, on your path, there are a lot of things that you can do before joining a membership like this. But I also hear that from artists who are perfectly good for network, but they're afraid that their art isn't good enough. Now, the core topic here isn't why haven't you joined network, but rather how can you participate at the level you want to participate at when you are afraid that your work isn't at that level, that you don't belong for some reason. These fears manifest in a number of ways. So one way that they might manifest is just simply not introducing yourself to people you recognize, but you know feel too shy to say anything to. Now, there are a lot of reasons that you might not introduce yourself, and shyness doesn't necessarily have to be rooted in self-doubt, but sometimes it is. Sometimes that shyness is a fear that these people might judge you as not being advanced enough in your career or not being skilled enough as an artist. And sometimes that fear may be lingering beneath a lot of things you don't even fully recognize. Now, another thing that might come up is not asking questions at, a, at events because you're too afraid that your question isn't informed enough or that you won't be able to use the right words. Or maybe your mind has just gone blank entirely, whereas normally you would have questions. Another way that this manifests is not making small talk at openings with people you don't know because, well, it's totally awkward whether or not you have self-doubt issues. And, you know, there's a lot of questions about what you can say to people you don't know. And actually, Amy Toludo at Pep Talks for Artists has a whole podcast on that. That's fabulous. Skipping openings because of the same thing and avoiding doing things that you should do because you're afraid you're going to fail. So sometimes this isn't going as deep as you can because you're afraid you'll find out you have some fatal flaw that just isn't fixable. It's not pushing your artwork as far as it could go because 
you're afraid that maybe there isn't that much depth to it in the first place. There's a lot of things that we don't do because of uncertainty. So I want to begin by starting with some fundamentals. And the first fundamental to remember is that nobody is thinking about you as much as you are thinking about you. They are thinking about themselves because that is what people care about themselves. It doesn't mean they don't care about other people, but they're going to be concerned with themselves first. And your job is to take care of yourself and then be curious about others in the process. But the thing is, is that intellectually understanding this, understanding that people don't really care that much. And if they do, it's their own insecurities. And acting on that intellectual knowledge can be two separate things, which is why one kind of advice I never give is, hey, just do the thing you're not doing. Because if it were that easy, none of us would be talking about any of this and we would all be out busy doing all of the things that we're busy avoiding doing. Cultivating curiosity, even when you're not feeling particularly curious, might be the best way, not just to deal with self-doubt, but career growth overall. Because if you're not curious about how to improve your work in your career, it ain't gonna grow. The other thing that curiosity offers is a feeling of relative safety. One common issue is that fear is a stressor that increases the level of cortisol in the brain. And cortisol can make you forget things. Now, as an aside, so too can perimenopause and menopause. If you're feeling nervous, and if you're forgetting a lot more than you used to, for whatever the reason, whether it's fear, whether it's perimenopause, whether it's the way you're wired, consider approaching your problems with a mindset of curiosity and play rather than judgment. Because yes, we all need to be the arbiters of what's working inside the studio and what's not, but we don't need to be mean to ourselves in the process. So we can be critical, we can have a critical mind without berating ourselves for not doing some magical thing that we wish we were doing. And if you can approach your work with a mindset of play and experimentation, you're going to have a lot better time doing a lot of this stuff. And one of the brilliant aspects of play is that a lack of self-consciousness is built into the process. I mean, the whole goal is having fun. So if you're self-conscious doing all that stuff, you're not going to be having all of that fun. Of course, our making art I think it's important to say that even if it's something we love, it's not always going to be fun, but we do need to build play into that process. So when I'm doing something that I don't like or I'm feeling hard, I always like to think about what I can do to make it more enjoyable. What I can do basically to get myself through it so that I can get to the other side. So Hannah Cole, my favorite tax artist, uh, <laughs> well, she's a tax artist, but she's also a tax expert, which is what I meant to say, but she's, she's my favorite tax expert for artists. And she tells me that she really enjoys doing her books every month now because she sets aside a time when she does it and she just allows herself to have a glass of wine, doesn't allow the kids to come in and interrupt her, and she can relax. 
you can literally program your brain to enjoy things it might not otherwise by giving yourself treats. It's not any different than training a pet. I will admit that I am a little bit more skeptical of using methods like this for things like self-doubt, you know, giving myself a cookie every time I'm nice to myself, because to me, it feels a bit like placing a piece of paper over a pile of shit. Like, sure, it works, but the shit's still there. And if you don't do something about it, eventually the whole thing is going to look gross and and (laughs) you're going to have a mess, right? For me, it's better to use experimentation and play and fun for minor troubles that I'm, I'm having. For example, I love seeing art, but I hate leaving the house to do it. So I often like to set dates so that after I can I see art, I can like talk about it with friends that I care about so that I have other ways to enjoy it. It's really just about things that lure me out of the house in the first place. So things that keep me accountable. The same goes for exercise, except I also hate the actual doing of the exercise. But the reward is that I can eat basically what I want. So I'm going to exercise every goddamn day for that freedom, right? Like after you reach 35, you don't get to eat whatever you want unless you put a lot of time into doing things that'll burn off those calories. But the self-doubt stuff, though, I normally find that I need to have strategies that allow me to reduce the fear enough that I'm able to do the things that I'm afraid of. So I'm not really afraid of going to openings. I'm afraid of talking to people at openings. So when I'm afraid of talking to people that I don't know, I try to find ways to get them to speak more about whatever it is they're talking about. I don't worry about what I have to promote unless it comes up organically, which by the way, if you talk long enough with anyone, it always will. So you just you just never need to go in to any conversation with that goal. So phrases like, can you say more about whatever thing they're talking about, right? Tell me more about whatever thing. That's a really good thing because people like feeling heard. And these kinds of questions are great for you when you don't remember Details about a person that maybe you probably should too, right? They also help us with fear since you don't have to do the talking, right? But it is helpful to have some information to share with people. When I don't know anyone at an opening, what I'm doing is I'm looking at the work, I'm taking notes, I'm shooting photographs. Sometimes I don't talk to anyone and that's okay because my goal isn't always to meet people. My goal is to learn something, anything I didn't know before. And if I'm doing that, if you're doing that, you're moving your career forward. You're moving it forward slowly, but that's the deal. And on that note, I have one last story here, and it's a little bit of an analogy. It's not a little bit of an analogy. It's an actual analogy to slow moving progress. So anyone who listens to the podcast knows that I like to do a lot of sports, but they have also probably heard that I suffer from a lot of injuries and the rehab pain is a big pain in the butt. And one of the things that happens is that initially when you find the right treatment for that pain, you'll make big gains. But then 
as you narrow down on the problem, it can be harder and harder to recognize the improvements. You have this kind of lingering pain. And that is because there is literally less pain to measure. If you're measuring a decrease from an 8 out of 10 to a 6 out of 10 on pain versus a 2 out of 10 to a 1 out of 10, that increment, 1, is a lot smaller, but 2, there's a lot less pain to measure, right? So my physical therapist told me I needed to stop measuring pain week to week, but rather in larger chunks, month to month, or quarter to quarter. You know, is the pain going down as a whole over a longer period of time? And in my opinion, this maps perfectly to the mid-career artist because you're past the point where you're making the big gains you made when you were an emerging artist. And now it feels like a grind and the gains feel less significant. Sometimes they even feel like steps back, which is something that happens. And the key here is to measure in larger chunks of time. It's going to take more time and more deliberate effort to make the gains because you've already made a lot. It takes a lot of emotional control and awareness. And the point here is that you can drive yourself crazy thinking that nothing will ever change if you don't know how and when to measure success. And that's the fear rooted in uncertainty and self-doubt. And I did that with my own career and with the physical therapy. But once you accept that the work is slow, but the breaks will come when they happen, you'll be better able to appreciate and recognize them. And that's really the gift of being a mid-career artist because how many breaks did you have when you were younger that you just accepted as inevitable? Now, now you have the wisdom gained from doing this seriously. And that is a huge gift. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review and share it with a friend. It really helps get that valuable information out to more artists just like you. You can find all of the names and the links that we reference in this conversation at workshop.art slash podcast.